thankful for that because I need help this morning. I need a supernatural move from God. I'm counting on it. You remember the story? You'll, you'll sit down in a minute. Do you remember the story when Elisha's servant came out in the morning to get stuff ready for Elisha? And he looked around and he saw all the enemies. He saw the election didn't go the way he thought and prayed. He thought, this cancel culture, what is going on? There's absolutely no hope for our nation. It's become an anti-Christian, anti-Christ against the church. That's what I think the church is doing. And then God sent Elisha, the man of God. What did he say? Open up their eyes. You need your eyes opened up this morning. You do. You really do. Because I believe God wants to take us to levels higher and higher and higher. And sometimes in our walk, actually most of the time, we get to a certain height and we're blessed in God and happy in God and we plateau and we just camp out. And all the time God is saying, there's more. There's more. This idea of coming to church, sitting down, saying hallelujah and going home and then repeating it for 40 years is just an American tradition that has robbed us of the power of Almighty God and the presence of God and your expectation of what might happen, what God could do. That's not the way church is supposed to be. This is a supernatural place where God can move at any given moment. Let's believe that. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord. Father, we pray for God the Holy Ghost to come, Lord, that you would come and stir our hearts this morning to believe the word of Almighty God. Lord, to give you free reign to come in this place and let everybody know that Almighty God is just not a theory, Lord God, that you are real, you're alive, and Lord, you're moving in the lives of the people that are here. We pray for a move of the Spirit of Almighty God. I pray that you would open up the eyes of everyone here, Lord, Lord God, that has the wrong concept of church that has been duped, Lord God, by men of God who have just casually walked. Lord, there is a walk you're calling this church to come up higher, Lord. I pray that everybody in this church, Lord, will put those mountain climbing boots on and we will see what God wants to do for us today, this morning, by the power of Almighty God, in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's see what God does. Amen. Absolutely. Okay, very first scripture. Very important to get this, or you just won't get anything. I know you know it. We read it. You probably have it underlined. You might have even shared it. But it says simply, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. This is how God thinks about you, and you've got to get this. You can't go, oh, yeah, but I'm not sure. But you don't know me. That doesn't say any of that in the Word of God. It simply says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Almighty God is telling you what He thinks about you. He said they're thoughts of peace and not of evil. God is not sick and tired of you. Amen. He's not fed up with you. He's not about to stomp you out, kick you out of His house. He's simply telling us here by the prophet Jeremiah, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. You look up that word expected end, that means to give you grounds for hope. Grounds for hope this morning. 
Not in our nation, not in our government. Oh, my Lord, no, 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 no. But God wants to give you grounds of hope. And if you can just get that, that you don't look like chopped liver in the eyes of God, that God does love you, does care for you, then you'll do the next verse. And this is so important. Then shall you call upon me. Do you understand in the original days when you would come to the house of God, would you remember John F. Kennedy as president? Well, probably half of you don't anymore, but he was one that had that great quote, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Well, that's long gone, right? Our our people now is gimme, 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 gimme. And that's the way they come into the house of God. We do. We come in the house of God. You know, in biblical times, when you went to the temple, you had to bring your absolute best offering. Your absolute best. And this is not a money preaching. Your absolute best offering. And the priests and the Levites would meet you at the temple door, and they would scope out your offering. If you brought a pigeon with one wing, they'd say, "Uh uh-uh. If you brought a sheep all spotted and bruised, you didn't want to give your best, you gave it, they went, "Uh uh-uh. They wouldn't take it, they wouldn't accept it. You had to bring your best to God. And that's what you do now. You've got to bring your best to God. Not sit there going, gimme, 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 gimme. Seriously. It's so foreign concept. It really is. There's probably six of us in the entire nation preaching a message like this today. It's just not heard anymore. It's all gimme, gimme, gimme. What can I get from God? So God's telling you, here's my thoughts towards you. And when you understand this, then you shall call upon me. And you shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you. I will listen. I will pay attention when you do what I say up front. Verse 13 says, and you shall seek me and you will find me. This is a promise from the word of God. Have you ever known God to break a promise? Never. And God says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. Meaning you're not so easily distracted. Oh, God, I want to seek. Oh, the ball game's on. And you're just distracted just like that. So quick we are, especially in this land. And then verse 14 says, and I will be found of you. God's not hiding. I will be fond of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away. God said, I'll do it. I will. You get this and you get it good. My thoughts to you are peace and not of evil. And when you start calling upon me and seeking me, I'll be fond of you and I'll do it. I'll do it for you. Now remember, the Lord Almighty is not a divine Santa Claus. Oh, God, I want a bigger car. Oh, I want a different color. No, God, I want... That ain't your... What? That's that gimme, gimme, gimme stuff. So there's always been God people that chase after the things of God. Always people that want to be God chasers. And that's what the Lord wants on this church. I have never, ever wanted a casual church with a little babbling brook and the cemetery built in the back. No, that just wasn't me. I don't want any of that, anything to do with that. we got to have people who will start to call upon Almighty God. Call upon Him. When you walk out and you do, and there I are, Ron. Oh, my God. 
Look, I never thought I'd see the day that our nation would be. Are you understanding? What? Girls and boys can go into the same. What? This is insane. But the man of God says, get your eyes off. Open their eyes to the things of Almighty God. And that's what you need. That's what I need. Or you'll live your life like this. Oh, my gosh, we're not. You're missing the actual point of what God wants to do. Look at this scripture. Psalm 63.8. I've brought this out throughout the years. David said this, my soul follows hard after thee. That's what we need. Anybody following hard after God? Going after it? I don't care what's in front of me. Running through the briars, leaping over the fence. I've got to have God. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That word hard means follow closely. It means to overtake, to catch. Through the years, we have talked about this. My office is right over there and down the roads of state troopers. And I see it a bunch more now than ever. All of a sudden, you'll hear those four barrels kick in. He lights it up and boom, he's gone. That's following hard. That's going after God. This is what God is talking about. This is where you need to have your eyes open. Instead of saying, man, I'm here, ain't I? truth is, and it is, I've been doing this for a long time, is that the church of America is somewhat less than advertised. Here's the advertisement. I mean, you remember when you get catalogs, the Sear catalogs, J.C. Penny catalogs, now it's all Amazon, but you used to go, ooh, and you'd order it, or you'd dog ear it and get your mom, here's my Christmas, and it comes and it's nothing like the book. You're like, this piece of junk. Right? This is a tremendous advertisement about us, the church, about the God we serve, the God we believe, the God we trust in, the God we surrender to, the God we're counting on. This is the catalog. And if they read it and they come here and they go, what? Where's this at? It's our job to get it. They don't know it, but you do. You should have the understanding. So when they don't get it, what happens? Well, then Ruth 1.1 takes place. It says here, Now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, a hunger for the things of God. Even if they know it or don't know it, people hungry for righteousness and truth and the things of God and mercy and hope and blessings from God, they're hungry for it. So a famine's in the land, and they're starving. And it says, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn, sojourn in the country of Moab. He, his wife, and his two sons. He looks around, and he says, Man, we're starving. There's nothing going on here. So he packs up, and he takes off trying to do his best, and he heads to Moab. So there's a famine of bread, or of sustenance, or nourishment, so that people can look for, to, to other things when they don't find it. They try to find something somewhere when the church is less than advertised. Now, Numbers tells us about the tabernacle in the wilderness. Remember that? Maybe some of you do. Numbers 4-7 tells us this. 
It says, And upon the table of showbread they shall spread a cloth of blue, and put thereon the dishes, the spoons, the bowls, and covers to cover withal. And the continual bread shall be thereon. All these things had meanings in this tabernacle, like a tent. Remember that? Showbread, the altar of incense, the candlestick, all lit up. All represented types of Christ. And this bread, this continual bread, means time without end, should be in the, in the temple, the tabernacle. That temple of showbread was a type of Christ. So that means that anybody that comes in the house of God should run smack dab into the face of Christ through the people that attend and call upon God. Showbread. That's what that means. The table of showbread was a type of Christ. John says this, As the living Father hath sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Amen. God says, you eat of this bread, you eat of God, that there should be plenty of it in the house of God. You'll live forever. Christ is the bread of the house. Hallelujah. It's also referred as the bread of his presence. Show bread, face, face bread. Christ in the house always, continually, is what the Old Testament said, which was a type of what this is supposed to be. Not just sitting here, coming and going back and coming, but the house of bread, which is the church, I don't know, sometimes we only seem to have crumbs Amen. of what used to be. Crumbs on, you know, on the ground or empty shelves. We've become more like bakeries that are open but haven't any bread. Amen. Now listen to this. How many times will you go to a bakery that promises this stuff and you go there and the shelves are... Or you're forced to... There's day-old stuff you can buy there cheaper. I believe the priority has been lost. Our priority has been lost in the church. I also believe we're too preoccupied. Amen. We're busy. We're into our, our own lives. Yep. And I, if I can come, I will. If I can do, I'll do something. I'll try. I don't know. And that, that's the concept we have about church, and it is the wrong concept. We seem to have lost the glory and the majesty and the presence of God and the excitement and a possible power that could explode in the house of God at any given moment. Do you come here expecting that? Do you ever come here and say, man, I wonder if, how, how God's going to show up today? You come here bringing your best or a goat that's half alive? <clears throat> Nehemiah 4 says this. Now listen, this stuff is so vital. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. The bearers of burdens are you. The strength of the workers the strength of those that should go about doing what... It's like everybody's the, the um, honeybees, the workers, they're, they're like all dying and everything. Man, if they die, we're going to lose all kind of veg vegetables and fruit and it's going to be disastrous. This little bee that's usually annoying to you. The workers. And God is saying to the church, the strength of the bearers of workers is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. 
not able to do the work of God. You're so involved in so much stuff that means nothing about nothing. It's going to mean nothing. Really, it is. And then what happens when you get involved in all this rubbish and meaningless stuff that really isn't all that important? There are some things you must do. But you get caught up in all this stuff. Then your strength becomes weak. You don't have time for God or church or His calling or to listen. Because you're busy. I got to this. Johnny got to play that. Sally got to play this. Johnny, Billy, Fred, Pete. Oh, they all got to play everything. And you coach them. So the strength of the bears becomes weak. Then what happens? Look at verse 11. And our adversary said, the adversary checks it out, looks at you, running into yourselves, everything that you're doing, you're exhausted, you don't have strength, you're not paying attention, your sword is not sharp like it should be in the things of Almighty God, you're kind of being wore down, and he goes, they won't even know what we're about to do. That's the church. Look, the, the result is our country. You know, the, the church is almost like the doctor, and the country is the patient. Ugh. How many times would you go to that doctor if you see the results? Ugh. But it's the truth. He says, and our adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them and slay them and cause the work to cease. I don't know where we rank in this, but I'd say at least 95% of the churches have really probably ceased in the work of God. Oh, you go to church. We go to church. We play. We speak. We say something. Look, the world is tired of our empty shells. They are. They're tired of our empty shells and pretending that we have bread. It's all hype and fluff. I mean, if you don't have it, I'm not going back there. I'm not. I'm not going back. No substance, no sustenance, nothing sticks to the ribs. Nothing helps me pull me through those hard, difficult times that we all go through. So what does the world do? They start looking for bread in all the wrong places. They're going all over the place trying to find some form of help. So back to Ruth 1, it says, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in a country, Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. He tries to make a decision, so now he's got four souls. He's in charge of cunning his own. And the name of the man was Imelech. The name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his two sons were Malone and Kilion. And, these are, and they came to, uh, into the country of Moab and continued there. They stayed there. This is where they set up shop. They said, okay, well, this looks like food. I guess this is what we'll do right here. Amalek, Naomi's husband, died. And now she's left with her two sons. And then they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Ophrah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. They're there. And now we find the two sons die. Both of them. Everybody's dying. Now the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. They're all gone. The bread of Moab was deadly to these people. 
as they're trying to find something to sustain them. The church has got empty shelves and not providing it. They don't know what else to do. So they go, this is life, I guess. This is how we just do it. Go to work, pet the dog, buy lunch meat and die. The Moab will rob you of your innocence. Moab will rob you of your youth. It will destroy your family. Moab. Moab is the same place that originated from Lot. Remember when Lot said, I'm choosing this over here? And a few years later, what did it say about Lot? His soul was vexed. He chose wrong. He went to the wrong place. Eating the wrong food. And his soul was vexed. And that word means tortured. You are tortured when you're out of the will of God, whether you know it or not. Absolutely true. Your joy evaporates. Everything evaporates. So what do they search for? So the world's searching and thinking they find bread through drinking and partying and, and smoking grass and marriage before sex or sex before marriage and money and power and fame. And they're dying. They're dying. You see it. I have seen people under my care and I have seen them turn and go to Moab and there's nothing I can do. Amen. And then they die. They do. So we must get the bread back in the house. We must. We absolutely must. Genesis 4, you can read it when you have time. Out of nowhere, it just simply says, Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Can we just do that? Out of nowhere. Seeing, my gosh, the need. Saying, God, open up our eyes. And then begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Trimming everything you can so that you can focus on that. we got to get bread back in the house. We have to get bread back in the house. What moves the loss? Well, what happened to Naomi? Let's see, Ruth 1.6 says this. Something's going on about Naomi. She's hearing something. She arose with her daughters-in-law. She might return from the country of Moab. She's like, I'm getting out of here. She says this, for she had heard in the country of Moab, how the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. She heard that God was starting to move. All this happens, the news will spread. People will be going, you got you, you to gotta come here. You got to come to the church. I'm telling you, God's here. I, don't, I feel fire going through my body. You got to come. You got to be here. And that news will spread and God shows up and the people will come. This is God's house. God's really here. They have bread. Bread more than enough. Come! We've got to stop this week after week after week. 
you got to come with your best and offer your best. Get lost into worship. Cry out to God like you never have before. I'm telling you, ask God to open your eyes up at this altar call that you can even see that there's higher plateaus in God, that God is calling you. Come up. Amen. Come up. Because you won't be able to see it. You can't see it. I can't talk anybody into this. That's why I said I'm in a hard place. Either you see this or you just leave saying, mm, whatever, I don't know. guess that was good. There's nothing like the aroma of hot bread in the house. I did a message on bread once years, years, years ago in a smaller sanctuary. Do you remember that? Who remembers that? What did I have? I had like two or three or four bread makers cooking away on the altar while I was preaching. And you're going, oh my God. I don't even know if you heard me. You're just thinking, is there butter? I got to find butter. Right? Because it was the aroma of bread. And we've all showed you that Jesus is the bread. And you got to have that where people go, oh my gosh, man, I got I to gotta go there. I, gotta, I need help. That smells so good. They'll pour through these doors. As they smell the fragrance of hot bread, that the presence of God is here, that they have the fragrance of hope and mercy and grace going through their nostrils. But why isn't it happening now? Because I, I think we're content. You've got to be pushed and, yeah. and uh, gouged with the, the cattle prod to get those cattle. They kind of like come down to that thing where they've got to get that whatever it's called. I'm sorry, I can't think of it. And they gouge him if he just stops there. And he goes, whoa! And then Kyle runs through that little gate. And that's what I am today. Because <laughs> I need I had to get it first and continue to get it because I that's the way I am. They'll pour through. Because we get content with what we have. Told you, told you years and years ago. The greatest enemy of the best is good. Having it good. Then you're like, man, this is good. So let me ask you a serious question. Really, what do we have? I'm not downplaying your salvation. No, I'm not. But don't just put your tennis shoes on and sit down. Amen. That's what salvation is, putting your tennis on. If you stand before God with brand new spanking Nikes, not even used, dirty or nothing, you're going to say, well, what did you do? Did you even run for me? And you come in with them red babies or them pink things or them blue ones and you look real snazzy, brand new, not even used. No, the tennies are just the beginning of this thing. You lease those babies up and you take off running for God. Through mud, through water, you jump things, you run, you fight, you whatever it is. And when you show up, you should be worn out. God will give you a brand new pair. He'll give you a gold pair when you get there. He will. So what do we have? Here's Satan's trick. I'm telling you. Satan keeps us full of junk food. Junk food. I don't care how much you eat. I can fill you up with junk food and then take you to the whatever greatest steakhouse that you like. And you might try, but you'll just be, oh, gosh, I just can't, I can't eat. I just can't eat. Why did I eat that junk before I got, why did I have all them potato chips and dip? 
you got this great steak and potato and beer you can't eat. And so the enemy keeps us full of junk and God's got this great steak banquet before us. Anything that, and we're like, oh, man, I just can't eat. Excuse me, God. <clears throat> so that's what Satan's ploy does. So we're not hungry. And it works. Sometimes we've got certain dates lined up where we're going to have a nice meal somewhere. And I try to spend that whole day starving myself. Amen. <laughs> right? You want to get there totally empty. You want empty from the ankles down. So you can dive in. That's, That's the same parallels with God. You come to this church this morning. You're, you love God. I'm not saying you don't, but you love God. You're like, I can't have another bite, Pastor. That looks good. It sounds good what you're saying. I believe it, but I'm so full. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Here's a promise. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they that do hunger. And if you don't, if you don't hunger, then you tell God that this morning. Lord, I don't hunger. I don't. I don't understand why. I just don't. See, every once in a while I haven't seen anything lately, but that word hunger means crave. Crave. And sometimes, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a joke. Our ladies get pregnant and they crave something pickles at three in the morning and it's like I want pickles pickles and the husband's going well, I gotta go find pickles at three in the morning he ain't looking at her and say can you wait four hours and he's, no way that's a craving that's something that causes you to move get up get dressed get out in the cold and go find what you want to satisfy this craving this longing this hunger have you ever had that for God? And if you have, where'd you leave that? Where's it at? What took its place? Ask God. Have you ever? I've asked God a number of times. Lord, help me throw this thing in reverse and find out what have I done? Where did I? All you got to do is be bumped off a little bit, half a degree. And by the time you hit your toe, you'll be way out here still wondering what is going on. Just a half a degree. Blessed are they which do hunger and crave after righteousness. Come to the altar and say, Lord, I don't hunger and thirst. I hunger and thirst for football. I hunger and thirst whatever you do. Whatever it is. But I, I don't, I'll go to church. I know what you did. I'm so thankful for that. But I don't have a craving, a longing, and a desire. Then ask for it. Ask God. Ask Almighty. It's a supernatural place. See what He does. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is a promise. Promise from God. We sing a song on, on Wednesdays at prayer. It's just called Pray, I think it is. By Brooklyn Tavern. I love that song. And through it, they sing, You promised. And I yell out to God, You promised. And in your promise, it didn't say, I've got to be the best Christian to get it. Or I've got to be so finely tuned within you that the promise is only for them. No. No. It's for me. 
someone who really needs it. It's a promise. But you're the one that's got to say, you know, I'm getting up and I'm going. Mountain climbing's hard. It is. And I've referred to your mountain boots for about a year now. It's hard. Climbing mountains is not like this. <laughs> it's up and down and treacherous and boulders coming. And you've got to say, I'm done. I'm done. This is high as I'm going. But if you get there, a level of God that we have yet to touch. Oh, my gosh. So what do we do? We have an altar call like this. If you're not hungry and thirsty, you beg God for it. Beg, yeah, yeah, you do. You say, God, God, you've got to make me have a spiritual, violent heart so I can go after it. Lord, that you would make me a warrior for Christ. A warrior for the Lord. Please pray that, that we will not stop until we break through the heavenlies. So you start to see the heavenlies crack open and the glory beams of God shooting down. Coming down full of its energy and glory and might until heaven opens. And something starts to take place in here. Man, aren't you tired of digging through the carpet for crumbs? God hasn't changed. We've changed. We used to bring our best, and it would be inspected. Check the ears. No, no this, this is not up to par for God. To now we come in and, do you have something for kids? Do you show movies around here? Do you? What? And it's so flip-flopped. The majority of you are born into that, and this now becomes where is that at? Remember years ago I told you about the ice cream? Remember? Real ice cream? You want real ice cream, you got to pay for it. Or you get that, I don't know what they call off-brands now. Remember when you read letter, words this big that's in the ice cream? There's about ten of them. And you tell your wife, mm, this is good chocolate ice cream. It's not ice cream. It's good chocolate-flavored chemicals. And you're paying 98 cents a gallon or something. Yep. Remember? And one time I told you, this was years ago. I'm sure money's different now. I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm going out and getting myself some real chocolate ice cream. And I did. might have been five bucks, which was a lot of money back when your kids were little. Sunk that spoon in. Remember? <laughs> <sighs> The real tasted horrible because I ate the fake for so long. That's what we're doing when it comes to God. And now I'm trying to open your mouth and shove the real in you. How's it taste? Aren't you tired of digging through carpets for crumbs? Wouldn't you like to come in here and say, if I could just get my friend who's suffering with this or so depressed, she could come and just sit in the house of God, hear the word of God, the presence of God, smack her in the face, she'll have a whole new life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
God, we need your hot bread. Send the fragrance of hot bread in the house of God. How, how could your kids deny the fact that God is real if that stuff's going on? How could they deny it? What's it now? Eight out of ten kids beat it after they're of age. They're tired of coming to church, sitting down, singing hallelujah and leaving. Amen. What if God starts to move on them, with them, through them? They see things. They watch it. I'm not talking about hype and phony. You get hype and phony, we'll get the security to remove you. I'm talking about the real presence of Almighty God coming in. Remember? Remember Moses? Remember Moses said, Lord, I ain't moving unless you go with us. Do you remember that in Exodus? And Moses was one that kept pleading and crying out and saying, God, 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 open up heaven, Lord. And then God, in his timing and in his infinite wisdom, says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing. I will do it. Listen, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in thy sight, and I know thee by name. And then Moses, what did he say? I beseech thee, show us your glory. Do you want to see God's glory? Show us your glory, God. I know I'm going to see it face to face when I cross Jordan. How about now? Do you believe it? Do you hunger for it? you go, man, that would quench my thirst. Show us your glory. If you think of it, you spend any time thinking about that, the glory of God would show. Show us your glory, God, was Moses' cry. And that word beseeched, you know what that means? That's begging. He's wanting to see the splendor and the majesty and the power of Almighty God. He's wanting to see the works of the gospel literally moving before his eyes. And however God does it, the drunk delivered, the prostitute delivered, the AIDS person delivered, the depression delivered. Just because they're sitting in the house of God, no one has to do anything. Amen. Just the presence be so thick and rich, your kids would sit up. The move of God started. Oh, yes. Yes, they would. I beseech you. That word means beg, implore, and crave. If you don't have it, ask for it. If this is all new, you've been to church all your life, you never heard this, then ask for it. Let God prove himself, not me to you. Let God prove himself if you want it. And you know you'll do it. If you crave something for your home, certain curtains or a lamp, you'll go to Timbuktu to find it. And if you find Timbuktu has it, you're in the car. You're going. Same with us dudes. If the game is in Rhode Island and you got tickets, you're going. You're so pumped. Half your face is this color, the other that color. People with you are like that. And you're going because you're a fan. You're a fanatic. Where are they? 
pounding on God's door. The altar. Lord, show us your glory, God. Lord, show us your glory. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, God, show us. No matter what message is preached or who's preaching it, Lord, when worship comes, you offer your best to God. Not a broken winged dove. Amazing grace. You offer your best. God will respond. Does not God say, you draw to me, what's he'll do? He'll draw nigh to you. If you are so far from God and you're both taking a step towards each other, it's not going to take long till you meet face to face. Like, keep it. God. If you draw nigh to God. It's all up to us. God's already done it, performed it, sealed it with his blood. And he says to us, Come, all ye that are heavy laden. So he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. He's telling Moses, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. What's that mean to you? Now, we know he's not talking about literally dying. That's not going to help us. He's talking about dying carnally. Dying to the flesh. The flesh doesn't want to get up on time. The flesh doesn't want to be put out. The flesh, you get your own pickles. I'm I'm doing what I want to do, when I want to do. I say how I'm going to serve God. God says, you've got to die to that, and you'll see me. You do what I say, God says. Mm, we don't like that. No one likes that. But God says, All right, I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to see my face until you die to that. Until you die to that carnal nature, that fleshly, that selfish nature that just me, myself, and I. God says, you die to that, and you'll see my face. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. You can sit there all you want and say you're following Christ without the cross. And you're just following some idea, some thought. Because the Lord says the only way you're going to follow me is you deny, you die to self, you take up that cross and follow me. That's where the masses go, mm, Adam, that's I don't know. I don't know about that. You have a nice church, Pastor. We'll see you later. David said this again, I tell you, my soul followeth hard. Remember? He catches up. He goes pursuing after God. Elisha said this. Elisha was persistent. As the Lord thy God liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. He kept getting harder and harder for Elisha because God was running Elisha through the test. And God would say through, stay here, stay here, sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. Put your hammock on, watch the game. And Elisha said, no way. I'm going where you're going. That's what we need. You don't have that, I don't have that, then we ask for it. We ask for it. God provides everything we need. As we wind down, Matthew eleven twelve says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. Do you know that? Do you know you're in a battle? 
Do you understand that's why our nation is getting so anti? They're in the battle. They're all in. They're putting their boots on and are loading up their guns and their weapons and are becoming very anti-Christian, very anti-church. And you're, you, what are you going to sit there and do? You're just going to be playing, the, well, I don't know what them games are called. So Matthew tells us through the Spirit of Almighty God, he said, way back from the John the Baptist until now, this kingdom of heaven suffered violence. You're in a spiritual warfare. You're in a battle, buddy. And he goes on and says, take it by force. You will not take my kids. You will not have my child. You will not. And you go after it in God. You do. That's what this is talking about. That's spiritual warfare. I know you don't hear much of this anywhere else. But I don't pastor that church. John 4.8, there's the one I told you, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Draw means to bring near, to join one thing to another. You can't be going, oh God, come this way. That doesn't work. Remember, you're supposed to be your Lord and Master. You're supposed to be putting your knee before Him. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. We are encouraged over and over to come to God, to pursue Him, to be a God chaser, to go after Him, after Him, over and over, climb, climb, hang in there. So let's stand, please. Here's your moment. Here's your time where you start asking then. Remember that you had a Bible study here? Oh, there's a girl. I think it was just ladies. Much Afraid. Remember Much Afraid was her name? What, what was the Bible study called? Hind's Feet on High Places. Hind's Feet. Where those goats and those sheer cliffs, they spring and run and jump around like it's a long, flat hind's feet. And much afraid was being called by God. And that was her name, much afraid. And I can relate. So maybe that's you. Much afraid. I want you this morning to really, to ask God to take you into the Holy of Holies. It does exist. It's still there. In fact, God has made a way for you to come now. Remember? Old Testament. High priest, one time, one day. He could go in. And he had to have everything just right, perfect. Even his clothing, even his underwear. Because if he walked in haphazardly, he dropped dead in the presence of God. He had that thing hooked around him, and they would pull him out because they couldn't go in and get him. Everybody would go in and get him and drop dead from the presence because he's so holy. And they would pull him out. But when Christ died, it says the veil ripped from top to bottom. And now it's open for every one of you to walk in whenever you want. Don't you think our nation needs a church to walk in? A church to walk in. 
found an old song, Take Me Into the Holy of Holies. We're going to play that. And we're going to have the altars open. Please consider this message. Lord, open our eyes.